0: Hey, thanks Pastor Dave. Good morning. Thank you so much for joining us today on a rainy, wet Sunday morning. There are some things worth doing no matter what the weather is like. Going to church is one of them. It's great to be at church even when it's raining. Today, my wife returns home from Uganda. And so even if it's a rainy day, it's okay, right? It's a good thing. Uh, to, to have your, uh, your spouse come home even when it's wet and rainy. So again, thank you so much for joining us today. You know, today we're uh, continuing in a series that we got about a month ago called Engage. And the premise of this series is that in order for our faith to thrive, uh, it requires that we engage in a number of different areas. And so the first two weeks, we talked about the need to engage God's Word, the breath of the Almighty, the Holy Scriptures. It's so important to do that. And then the last two weeks, we talked about the importance of engaging God in prayer, talking to God. And so I hope that you've been doing that. I know that that I've heard from a number of you who have sent prayers to me, texted prayers to me, emailed prayers to me, and I appreciate that so much. And I hope that you are you are doing that as well, praying for one another. And maybe you received a prayer or a text, and I, I, I know that that's a blessing. Uh, as well. Well today I want to speak to you about another area in which we must engage and that's the area of love. And I can't tell you how important this this one is, how important it is that we as a church get it, that we understand it, that we apply it. Because love speaks to the very heart of who we are and what we are as a church. And if we fail to love, then the repercussions are absolutely staggering. I hope to paint a picture for you today of the importance of love and kind of why it, we need to do this and where it really comes from, all right? So I wanna, before I get started, I wanna open up our time in a word of prayer and let's just come before God and thank him so very much for, for who he is and for all that he's done for us. Well, Father, thank you, God. Even though the, the weather's a little bit rainy and wet outside, God, it, it is so good uh, for, for us to be able to come and gather and to worship and to praise you and to hear from your word, and God, just to be together. And God, we thank you so much. This kind of a gathering is so much more important than a, a Super Bowl gathering, God, because this, this really is the Super Bowl. Uh, when we can gather, your people can gather together. And I pray, Father, that you would speak so very clearly to us about the importance of love. And we've, I know we've talked about this before. We've hit on this before. And I pray, God, that you would give us some fresh new insights into this topic so that we might be the loving people that you want us to be. I pray that you would give us a bigger heart than the one that we already have. I pray that we would be more loving than what we've been so far, God, so that we might be a reflection of all that you are. So thank you, Father, speak to us now. I ask this in Jesus' name, amen. For those of you who are familiar uh, with a little bit of my life, uh, my background, I grew up, uh, as you might know if you're here, I grew up uh, with two, a set of great parents, two great parents, and my mom is still with us. She's 90, she will be 92 years old at the end of this week. And I have a younger brother, and his name is Larry, and he also comes to the church. And I would say that growing up, we were fairly close. We were pretty tight as brothers. We were uh, very close in age, about 15 months apart. I'm a little bit older than 15 months older than he is. Here's a picture of us when, when I was 14 and he was about 13. And I don't know where was it, if that was at Big Bear or we were in the snow or whatever it is. And then as we got a little bit older, we began to drift apart. You know, the whole teenage angst thing. We started to drift apart. And uh, I was the studious one. Uh, here's a picture uh, taken when I was in high school. I'm the one on the right. Uh, I was a senior because I know that was my senior uh, sweater. Uh, and he, the, he's the one on the left. He was, we, we, we grew up in East Los Angeles, and so he was a wannabe cholo. And uh, he was popular with the girls. I was popular with the campus nerds. And we would begin to fight. And we would begin to disagree. And we kind of begin to go at it. And every time we did, it would break our parents' hearts. It would really break their hearts. And my mom and dad would both say things to us. They would say things like, please don't fight. Please don't fight. Please get along. We love the both of you. We love you the same. You are both our sons. We are family. Please, please love each other. And they would say that to me, especially my mom would say that to us all the time. And you know, the, to be honest with you, I didn't really comprehend what she said, I didn't really get it until I became a parent. That's when I started to get what she was saying. And over the years, I have two daughters. Uh, they're 23 and, and 19. I, I, I began, I found myself beginning to say the same things to them every time they had a little squabble. Please love each other. Please don't fight. Please stop arguing. Please get along. You are sisters. We are family. Please, and I would say those things to them. And I'm thankful that that they get along really well last night we were home and they they said we're gonna have a little movie night in in natalie's room we don't have a living room yet uh because of the remodeling but so they had a little movie night together uh in natalie's room using her little laptop and i'm thankful they do love each other but those are the kind of thing that's just the heart of a parent that you want your family to love each other well centuries ago when god chose the jews to be his children to be his pe- people what he wanted more than anything else were his was for his people to love him and to love each other that's exactly what he wanted just like a parent all that god wanted was for his children to love him and to love each other in fact god even spelled it out when when he and he spelled it out in the commandments that he gave to moses he he spelled it out that he wanted them to love each other i mean we know that god gave moses 10 commandments but he he didn't give him just 10 commandments. We did a series on this a while back. He gave him six hundred thirteen commandments. And preeminent among them, and they're all, you can find them all in the Old Testament, the first five books of the Old Testament called the Pentateuch or the Torah. But preeminent among them was this commandment right here, and it 's in Deuteronomy six verse five. You can turn to Deuteronomy six five. Or you can open up your Baywatch and all the verses are listed there for you. But again, every week I want to remind you, bring your Bible. Bring your Bible so you can mark it up and so you can keep your notes in there. And of course, take a look at our South Bay app. Download it if you, if you haven't already. You can do it right now. We've got Wi-Fi here. Download it and you can have the South Bay app and you can follow along right there. But preeminent, preeminent among all the commandments that God gave to Moses to the people of Israel was this one right here about what he wanted of his people. Deuteronomy 6, 5, and he said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. This was it. First, God said, I want you more than anything else. I want you to love me. Just love me. I want you to love me with all your heart. And then God said in Leviticus 19, it's recorded first us in Leviticus 19, verse 18, He said, you shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. God said, I want you to love each other. I want you to love each other. God spelled it out very clearly more than anything else. What he wanted from his people was that they would love him and they would love each other. Now fast forward 1,400 years. Fast forward 1,400 years uh, from the time of Moses when God gave them the commandments to the time of Christ. One day, Jesus was asked what the greatest commandment was, what the greatest of the 613 commandments was. What's the greatest one? And here's what Jesus said. Take a look at Matthew chapter 22, starting in verse 37. Here's what Jesus said. And he said to him, "'You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And on these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets.'" So roughly 1,400 years after God told the Jews that what he wanted more than anything else was for them to love him and to love each other, Jesus showed up, and when he's asked what the greatest commandment was, he said the very same thing that the Lord said 1,400 years earlier. Love the Lord and love each other. That's what he said. In fact, Jesus went on to say in verse 40, take a look at verse 40 again, He said that on these two commandments, love God and love each other, depend all the law, depend all the law and the prophets. Notice that verse 40. He says on these two commandments, depend all the law and the prophets. This is a very interesting statement. Let me unpack it for you. First of all, underline law and the prophets. The the phrase law and the prophets is used only in the New Testament. The law and the prophets, that phrase is used only in the New Testament And it it is found to describe, it is used in the New Testament to describe the entirety of the Old Testament. Did you get that? It's used to describe the entirety of the Old Testament. Simply put, the law and the prophets was a reference to the Old Testament. It's found in the New Testament, but it refers to the Old Testament. And the word depend in verse 40, circle the word depend, means to hang on. It means to hang on. So take a look at, in, in the NIV, the New International Version translation, it says this, All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Because that's what the word depend means. It means to hang on these two commandments. In other words, the entire Old Testament, the entire Old Testament hangs on these two commandments, meaning all the Old Testament writings. All of the Old Testament writings can be summed up in these two commandments. Love God and love each other. So imagine you have the Old Testament and somebody asks you, what's the Old Testament? Explain the Old Testament to me. From Genesis to Malachi, explain that to me. Oh, yeah, I can explain it to you. Love God and love each other. What? Yeah, that's that's what it's all about. The entire Old Testament is all about love God and love each other. The Apostle Paul put it this way in Galatians 5.14. He said, for the whole law is fulfilled in one word. The whole law, the law referring to the Old Testament. The whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And the point is this. This is all that God wanted for his people. This is really what God wanted for his people. All he wanted was for them to love him, and he wanted them to love each other. Well, obviously, today, we don't live in Old Testament times or during the time of Jesus. We live in a period that's called the church age. We live in the church age here in the year 2019. And just as God had a message for the Jews 3,400 years ago, he he has a message for the church today. And here's what's fascinating. The message that he has for the church today is exactly the same message that he gave to the Jews 3,400 years ago. Here's what Jesus said on the night before he was crucified. Take a look at this. John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35. Here's what Jesus said on the night before he was crucified. He said, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another, and by this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Jesus said, love one another. And if you notice it, if you look closely, you'll notice he didn't say it just once. He said it three times. Love one another. Love one another. Love one another. The message is pretty clear. This is the the message he wanted to leave us with. He was ready. He was going to be crucified on the very next day. This is the message he wanted to leave with his church, his followers. Love one another. And in fact, in addition to these, these two passages right here, there are plenty of other verses that are all addressed to the church, specifically to the church, because after Christ left us, the church was born. He sent the Holy Spirit, and the church was born in Acts chapter 2. And all these verses, there are plenty of verses that say the very same thing. Take a look at Romans 12. I'm going to put these up here for you. Romans 12, 10. The apostle Paul said, Love one another with a brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. First Peter 1 Peter 1:22. Peter said, Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love. What? Love one another earnestly from a pure heart. First Peter 2, 17 says, Honor everyone, love the brotherhood. Fear God, honor the emperor. In Colossians 3, 14, the apostle Paul said, And above all, put on love. Above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. In 1 John 4, 7, the apostle John wrote, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. And there's so many other verses just like this love one another, love one another, one, love one another. God's message to the church, God's message to the church in 2019 is the same message that he delivered to the Jews 1400 years before Christ love one another. We were made to love. We were made to love. You can write that one down. We were made to love. Why? Why were we made to love? What well, Jesus tells us why we are made to love in John thirteen thirty five We just read it, but take a look at verse 35 again. He said, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples. God made us to love one another so that others will know who we are so that they'll know who he is. If they know who we are, then they'll know who he is. They'll, they'll know who he is by our love. God made us, in other words, to be a reflection of who he is. You can write that one down. He made us to be a reflection of who he is. But here's the problem. We aren't. We aren't. He made us to love, but but we don't love. And the Jews failed. They failed on both counts. They failed to love God right out of the gate. They rebelled and sinned against God. It started with Adam and Eve. Second, they didn't love each other. Again, it started right out of the gate. Adam and Eve's son Cain killed his own brother Abel, murdered his own brother Abel, and it's been going on ever since. Where's the love? God said, this is all I want for you to do. And right out of the gate, they failed. They didn't do it, and they haven't been doing it. Not only have the Jews been at war with, each, with, with their adversaries, but they've been at war with each other. At one point in their history, there was such enmity and hate among the Jews, between the Jews, that they're, they're God's own people. They, the nation was ripped apart in civil war because they just couldn't get along with each other. And yet all that God wanted was for them to love him and to love each other. And they failed. They failed and broke God's heart. And just like the Jews... Christ followers the message that God gave to them is the same that he gave to us just like the Jews many Christ followers many churches have failed on this as well many years ago I worked for the, uh, one of the members of the County Board of Supervisors and I'll never forget the day I received a message to call the secretary uh, to the pastor of one of the largest churches here in Los Angeles in fact I if I told you the name of the church you would every one of you would know the name of the church well, the secretary to the pastor called our office, wanting to speak to me. She, I didn't know who she was, and she didn't know who I was. She just wanted to speak to, to, to one of the deputies. And so I, when I saw that, who, that she was calling from this mega church, and she was the secretary of this pastor, I, I, called, back, I called her back right away, wondering what this was about. You know, as a Christ follower, I am thinking, oh, this is interesting. I want to I I call this person right away. And uh, I, I called her back right away, and I wish I hadn't because of what she said to me. She told me that she, she lived a short distance. She says, first of all, I'm not calling for the church. I'm calling for myself. But she says, I live a short distance away from, from where the county erected had just erected a temporary shelter for the homeless, because the temperatures here in LA had just begun to plummet because of a winter storm, kind of like it is now. It's kind of cold, right? So the, it got really cold that year. I think the... I don't tell you the year. It's so long ago. But it was so cold that, that uh, the county said, we've got to put some homeless uh, shelters up, just temporary shelters up because people are going to die. And so they put one up, and she called because she was livid. She was irate at my boss that he would allow a shelter to be built near where she lived in her neighborhood. And I asked her if she would object if the shelter was placed in someone else's neighborhood. And she said, no, I'm fine with that. She says, I just don't want it in my neighborhood because I, you know what those homeless people are like. They're just a bunch of criminals and drug users. That's exactly what she said. I still remember to this day. And I wanted to ask her one more question, but I didn't. Maybe I should have. I wanted to ask her, are you a genuine Christ follower? Are you a genuine Christ follower? I wanted to ask that because I had a hard time believing just from what she said that she was. Because there was no love in her heart. This is a temporary shelter. It was going to be up there for only a couple weeks just to get people off the street. And so many are like that. Their hearts are closed and their hearts are hard to those around them. And we see that, you, you see the landscape of, the ch- of churches across America. The landscape of churches across America, you look across this, this landscape and, and what do you see? So many churches that have been decimated by fights and by splits and by squabbles. And oh, the, another church breaks up and this faction goes here and this faction goes here because they can't get along, maybe even over the color of the carpet. And it's heartbreaking, you ask, you gotta ask yourself, where is the love? And so we have failed. The church has also failed. Which is why the Apostle Paul addressed the issue of of a lack of love in the church. He addressed it head on when he wrote to the church at Corinth. And here's what he wrote. You You might be familiar with this passage, 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter. But in the first three verses, he begins by saying this. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Now, those are, those are powerful words. What an indictment. Paul said that if you, speak, if you can speak the language of angels... Can you imagine? I mean, I speak English and a little bit of Japanese and a little bit of Spanish. Can you imagine speaking angel language? He said, if you can speak the language of angels but you don't love, you're just a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. He said that if you had the faith to move mountains, wouldn't you love to have the faith to move mountains? Wouldn't you love today to be able to pray and say, God, move that mountain and it's going to move. But he says, even if you had that kind of faith, if you don't love, you're nothing. That's what he says. You're nothing. And if you were as generous as generous can be, but you don't love, so what? That's what he's saying. So what? You gain absolutely nothing and the benevolence of your heart would amount to a big fat zero. That's what it is if you don't love. And that's why what Paul had to say here about love is so serious. Church, it's not okay for us to be a... uh, a church that doesn't love it's not okay for any one of us individually to be people who don't love we've got to get this one right we've got to get this one right for us not to love is as is as, is as bad as it gets on wednesday evening because because god made us to love this this is what he created us to do on Wednesday evening, we had an extraordinary event here. An amazing event here. How many of you were here for Wednesday night? Yeah, just a bunch of you were here. Although, for those of you who missed it, check it, on, check it out on YouTube. It was absolutely amazing. But Tatsuya Shindo is a former high-ranking member of the Japanese crime syndicate known as the Yakuza, came here to share his testimony. And here he is with, with his interpreter, Setsu. And you can see the place is just packed out. It was just, we, I, I've never seen more people in this room. As We, we got every chair in the building. We, every chair. We put them everywhere. There were chair, chairs on the side. And then we filled up, we put chairs out in the lobby as well. And that filled up as well. There were over 700 people here. Tatsuya was marvelously converted to Christ while he was in prison. Today he passes a church in Kawaguchi, which is just north of, of Tokyo. And Pastor said something very interesting about the Yakuza who recruited him when, when he was just a teenager. He said he was drawn to them because they were like a family. Wow, that was like, really? Yeah, he said that as a child, he grew up not feeling like he was loved by his own parents. But then he met the Yakuza because they, they, they intentionally went after him when he was a teenager. And he felt loved by the Yakuza. Even though they were a culture rooted in violence and hate and evil. This is him here. When he, I believe it's when he was in prison. I'm not sure. But even when they were a culture rooted in violence and evil, he felt loved by them. He said, he said they took care of him. He said they, they helped him out. He told he had they had his back. In other words, he received from them what he never received from his own parents, and that was love, a sense of belonging. and that's what drew him in. In Matthew 5:46, Jesus asked a very insightful question. Take a look at Matthew 5:46. Very, very insightful. He asked, "For, "If you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? Isn't that fascinating? So interesting. Jesus said that even tax collectors love each other. That's the implication. Even tax collectors love each other. And they were the dregs of society during his time. His point was this, that you can be a member of a drug cartel, and you can love each other. Because drug dealers love each other. You can be a member of a terrorist organization, and you can love each other. You can have love. And all these terrorists, they just love each other. You can be a member of the Republican State Central Committee and you can love all the other Republicans in your, your, your organization. You can be a member of MoveOn.org and you can love all the members of your, your organization because you all share the same political ideology. And according to Jesus, what he was saying was loving at this level is a piece of cake. It's a piece of cake, it's easy to do. It's easy for gang members to love other gang members. It's easy for tax collectors to love other tax collectors. It's easy for terrorists to love other terrorists and for Republicans to love other Republicans and progressives to love other Republicans. There's no reward in it, however, it's no biggie. Do you know what's really hard? Do you know what real love is? It's loving people who are different from you. It's loving people who, are, who, who, who disagree with you politically. It's loving people who are richer than you are or poorer than you are. It's loving people who are different, a different color than you are. It's loving people who annoy you. Or it's loving people who are demanding and needy. It's, it's, it's loving your enemy. That's hard. And that's what real love is. See, the other stuff is anyone can do that. But he doesn't want us to be just anyone. He calls us to a higher standard. And you know where you can find these kinds of people? Yeah, you can find them all out there, they're all out in the world. But you can find them in the church. You know why you can find them in the church? Because all that the church is, is a collection of broken, sinful people who have been, who have been saved by the grace of God. We're, we're all these things and, and more and worse and God and we're here because God because we know we need God and and God gave us his son and he saved us from our sins and so we all come together every every weekend and some and and during the week we come together under the headship of Christ Christ in in this gathering we call the church and you're going to find all these and they're all these difficult people hard to love people they're all around us and the reason why God wants us to love each other is because when we do so, we, we, we would be a reflection of who he is. We'd be a reflection of who he is. But again, it's not easy. Love doesn't come naturally. Selfishness comes naturally. That's easy. You don't have to teach me to be selfish. I don't have to try to be selfish. I have to try to love, but I don't have to try to be selfish. That's, a, that's easy. I love the, the story of a little boy named Chad. Quiet, shy kid one day he came home from school and told his mother that he wanted to make valentine uh, valentine 's for everyone in his class because valentine 's day was approaching, and her heart sank, and she she thought oh, I wish he wouldn 't do that because she she knows she 's watched is as, as the kids she sees the kids coming down the street chad 's coming home and, and they 're walking home, and all the kids are just laughing and Walking and having a good time, and, and Chad is never included. He's always, he always walks behind the rest of the kids, never included. Nevertheless, she said, okay, you want to make a, a valentine for everyone? Like, okay, that's a good idea. And she, she went along with it, so she went to the store and bought some paper and some glue and some crayons and all those kind of things, and for three straight weeks, every night, Chad would make painstakingly make the valentine, 35 valentine cards for his classmates, each one handmade. Well, Valentine's Day finally came, and Chad was beside himself with excitement, so he got all of his, all these Valentine cards that he made for them, put, him, put it in his back, backpack, and he rushed off to school. Well, that day, his mom decided to make him a fresh batch of cookies, serve them up warm with a cold glass of milk when he came home, knowing that maybe, maybe he's going to be a little bit disappointed, maybe this will help to ease a little bit of the hurt. And uh, it broke her heart to think that he might not get very many, if any at all, Valentine cards himself that day. Well, after school, the cookies were made and the milk was chilling. And soon after the bell rang, she could hear the children coming down the street and she looked out the window. And sure enough, the kids were laughing and they were playing and then having a good time. And as always, Chad was bringing up the rear all by himself. When he got to the door, when he came through the door, she fully expected him to burst into tears She noticed his hands were empty, and when the door opened, she choked back her tears, and she said, Mommy's got some warm cookies and some milk for you. But he hardly heard her words, hardly heard a thing she said. He just marched right in with his face aglow, and all he could say was, not a one, not a one. And her heart sank. And then he added, I didn't forget a single one, a single one. I love that story. I love that story because it tells us what real love is. So real love isn't isn't hoping that someone's going to give you a Valentine's Day card. Real love isn't wondering, what's in it for me? Who loves me? Real love isn't how you feel toward someone or how they might feel toward you. Real love isn't feeling like you belong, which apparently the Yakuza are very good at at doing anyone can do that real love is doing simply doing what chad did real love is giving without regard for getting back anything in return like chad did real love is acting selflessly like chad did and again it's not easy because we're hardwired to be selfish and not to love so how do we love Well, I submit that we can't love. I submit we can't love without God's help. We need His power. We need His power to love. You see, in the very same chapter where Jesus said, this is my commandment, that you love one another just as I have loved you. In that very same chapter where He said that, that was John 15, 12. In verse 5, seven verses before, He said this. Take a look at this. John 15, 5. Jesus said, I am the vine, and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, forget, and get this part, for apart from me you can do nothing. That's it right there. Apart from me you can do nothing. Will you underline that? Apart from me you can do nothing. Can I tell you something? True words have never been spoken. Apart from me you can do nothing. The fact is we can't do anything without Christ. I mean, we really can't do anything. Without, we can't love each other without Christ. Get husbands, You can't love your wives without Christ. And wives, you can't love your husbands without Christ. We can't forgive each other without Christ. We can't extend grace to someone without Christ. We can't extend mercy to someone without Christ. I can't get to a single day without Jesus. I honestly can't. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And so write this one down. I need God's help to love. Love is probably one of the hardest because it it goes against our very nature. And that's why we need the power of the Holy Spirit flowing through us. We need the, the Spirit of God working through us. Otherwise, there's no way that we can love. Let me ask you something. Is there someone in your life who is hard to love? Yeah, there is. Right? We all have someone in our lives. Maybe there's somebody in your life group, and that person is hard to love. Maybe it's your spouse, and you find it really hard to love. Maybe it's one of your children, or maybe it's your parent. Maybe it's your mom or your dad that drive you crazy. Maybe it's your brother, your sister, your boss. Maybe it's your roommate. Maybe it's your coworker. Maybe it's a classmate. And they bug you, and they drive you Crazy. Well, pray and ask God to help you to love them. See, that's the kind of love. That's the kind of love that matters. Not where you love somebody because they love you. No, it's loving somebody who doesn't love you, loving somebody who's annoying, somebody, somebody who bugs you. That's real love. Ask God to help you, and I believe he will. You can't love without his help. You know, in Greece, there, there was a brilliant professor his name is Alexander Papaderas, and he taught in the universities there, and he was teaching one, one day, he was teaching in a class, and after, as the class concluded, he asked the class if anyone had any questions. So one of the students in the back raised his hand, he said, I have a question, professor, I have a question. He says, yeah, I'd like to know what your purpose in life is. He said, oh, really, you wanna know what, you, you wanna know what my purpose in life is? And so the professor, reached into his pocket and he pulled out a little round mirror. And and here's what he said. He shared his story. Here's what he said to the class. He said, I grew up during World War II in the poverty of Greece and my family was so poor we didn't have any toys. And one day I found a broken piece of of a mirror and I rubbed the edges. This is not glass, but mirror. I, I rubbed the the edges on a stone, and until the mirror became a circle. And this was my toy. It became my toy. This was all I had. I played with this mirror. Papaderas continued I would look for the darkest crevices, in the darkest hole where there was no light, and I would hold the mirror in such a way that I could shine the sunlight into that hole it was just a little game but it kept me preoccupied the professor said and then when I grew up I realized that there was more this was more than just a child's amusement it became the metaphor for the purpose of my life Papa Darius went on what I want to do is look for areas in the world that are so dark hearts that are so dark and I am the mirror And I want the light to shine off me into those dark places. And as he concluded, the professor shined the light at the students and said, that's why I live. And I would add, this is why we love. We love so that we can be a reflection of God's love in a very dark world. The world is dark all around us. And if we love, if we reflect the love of God, we can be the light. We can be the light to the world. You know, the last three and a half weeks have been uh, pretty challenging for me and my family because Cheryl's been gone. And uh, I'm I'm excited she's gonna be home. She's plane supposed to land around one o'clock. So second service, I'm cutting out of here and... uh, and we can't wait to see her, but it's been challenging, not only because she's been gone, this is the longest she's ever been uh, gone away from us, uh, but also uh, I've worried a lot for her, and I'll have to tell you about that one of these days. There's a story behind that. Uh, but it's been also challenging because of the remodeling project that we started, that we started uh, kitchen remodeling just before she left. And so there's been dust everywhere, and we don't have a kitchen, and we don't have a living room, and a a family room, and um, and and uh, it's been kind of. Meanwhile, things here at church have not let up. I mean, things are just getting busier and busier and busier here at church. But you know what's kept me going through this whole thing? I'll tell you what's what's kept me going. It's your love. God, obviously, but it's your love. Because while Cheryl's been gone and we've been kitchenless, a bunch of you have made dinner for us. A bunch of you have made dinner for us. It's been so nice eating a home-cooked meal. I mean, again, we don't have a place to eat, so we'll just bring it to the office, and we'll eat in the office. We'll be here late at night, the kids and me and the dogs eating dinner. And it's so nice. It's so much better than eating at the local place every night. Last week, someone gave me an envelope... With a hundred dollars in it, no name. Just this note: Please contribute to the Shiohama cell phone roaming charges fund. <laughs> I shared with you with you several weeks ago that uh, when Cheryl left, I, I was thinking that we were we were not going to be able to communicate her with her for three and a half uh, weeks because she was going to this, some of the remotest parts of Africa in Guinea. Uganda is a little bit better. And so that day, I found it when she left. I found out that Verizon had a, had a data plan. I, I told you about this if you were here a couple weeks ago. And uh, I signed up for it immediately, even though it was kind of expensive. I signed up for it immediately because I said, my thought was, I'm willing to pay whatever to made, remain in contact and communication with her every single day. And so I did. And, so someone, and someone gave me $100. Anonymous gave me $100, and that will cover, for, cover half of it. And it just blows me away that we've got people in this church that are, that are so kind and so thoughtful and, and I, I don't even know what to say. On top of that, you, many of you prayed for, hey, many of you have said to me, you're praying for Cheryl and Annie every single day. And you pray for, and, and peop, some people said, and we're praying for you, especially for you. Thank you, I, needed, I probably needed more than she does. I mean, just yesterday morning, I, I, I woke up and I got a text from somebody, a text, someone texted me a prayer from the airport, he was, he was heading out of the country, and he said, I just wanna text you a prayer. Yesterday, someone also messaged me on Facebook and says, hey, I just want you to know I'm praying for you today. It's the love of the people of God that has inspired me, encouraged me during this time. You know, on Wednesday night, Pastor Shindo told us about his church. I asked him a little bit about his church, and, and they've been, they're, they're on a very large congregation, but they meet in a bar. They meet in a bar, and and now the the roof on the on the on the facility is beginning to is in very bad shape. I understand it's beginning to collapse, and so he said they got he said we got to get out of there. So a little while back they they bought a building. They bought a factory building. It's a very it's not large. It's a small factory building, and there's re, there's residents up on the top, and so he and his wife live at the top uh, on the second floor. And he says we want to convert the. The bottom half the ground floor we want to convert it and put put a church there and so he says so we we bought it it's already paid for he said but it's going to cost about $200,000 to fix it up so we can put the church in there and I thought well we know that we've been through that through that right we talked about that what it costs to to fix this place up and so he said it's going to cost I found out the other night it's going to cost $200,000 to fix it up and they raised 130000 of it so far so, I just had this idea. I thought, you know, I talked to the elders about it, and they said, Yeah, let's go for it. I said, so, we decided Wednesday night, it was, uh, it was around 5 o'clock, I think, right before he came. We decided, you know, we're going to take, take a love offering because we were just going to give him an honorarium for speaking. He didn't ask for anything, but we said, We'll just take a love offering. And so, he says, Hey, if you guys w- would be interested in helping the, him out with his church, then, you know, just give us a small little gift and, and we'll give it to him before he leaves. You know how much he gave? $15,000. That's what you gave, right? And uh, and, I, and people last night came and said, well, we want to we give some more. You know, or, we, we didn't give, we want to give, right? So if you want to still give to his fund, then you can do that. But again, you'd be sure to designate your gift and we'd ask it to be over and above your regular giving, but just be sure to designate it for Pastor Shindo so we'll know to give it to him. And we're going to give him every single penny that you give. And then we can all, we'll all go to Japan. Can you, we'll all go to Japan together. A thousand of us will show up at his church. Hey, we're here. We want to celebrate with you. They don't know what to do with us, right? Wouldn't that be amazing? But you can go to that church one of these days and say, yeah, you know what? What, what a privilege to be able to, to be involved in helping you uh, put this church here. What a great thing. When I told him what, when I told him what you gave, he couldn't believe it. He kept jumping up and down with his hands in the air. Seriously, he kept jumping up, came and hugged me, and he kept jumping up and down. He came back and hugged me again, kept jumping up and down, came back and hugged me for a third time. He was so elated, and I was too. Because, see, I think you're the most loving church on this planet. I really do believe that. When my mom is here at church... We push her around. She walks in a, in a walker, but it's easier to get around in a wheelchair, so we put her in a wheelchair, and she's sitting out in the lobby or she's sitting out in that cafe area. And every time I look over to just to check and see if she's okay, somebody's talking to her. One of you goes over there and just talks to her and just to see how she's doing. And it just blesses my heart that you care so much about a little old lady that you would talk to her. I appreciate that so much. Reminds me of, of Leviticus 19 and our attitude, our attitude toward the elderly. Leviticus 19:32 says, last verse, you shall stand up before the gray head and honor the face of an old man and you shall fear your God. I am the Lord. You shall stand up before the gray head and honor the face of an old man or, and I would add an old woman. You know what I would say about that? I hope that all of you will honor all of the elderly people in our church. Honor all of them, not just my mom. Go to all of the elderly people, even if you don't know them, and you can recognize them very easily. They kind of look like me, getting getting really old here, right? But you'll recognize them. They might have a walker. They might have a, a cane. They might be in a wheelchair. But go to them, even if you don't know them. and Give them a hug and tell them that you love them and even pray for them. And don't just do it today, but do it every time you see them. Blesses me, I, Tammy. Sogi, not Tammy, but Lynn Sogi, she's got two little boys. And every time they see my mom, they run over there and give her a big hug. It blesses her. So, so at the little place that she's at now, she's got both their pictures there. She do not got my picture there, but she's got their pictures hanging on the wall. And so, church, I have a challenge for you. I want to close with this. I have a challenge for you. I want to challenge you to undertake a Chad project. I'm calling it a Chad project in honor of that little kid that made all those valentines for his classmates. I want to challenge you, Chad Project, to do something nice and something kind, an act of kindness for somebody this week. It might be making a meal for someone. It might be sending a card. It might be be babysitting someone's kids. It might be washing someone's car after the rain stops. It might be cutting someone's lawn. It might be getting bogo for someone from Go Go Juice. It might be visiting a shut-in. It might be just giving a teenager a hug and telling them that you love them. Do, do, do a Chad project. Chad project will bring light to someone's dark world. A Chad project. I wonder, and I wanna ask you to focus on someone in the church, not someone outside the church, we'll talk about that next week, but someone, out, someone inside the church. And I wanna ask you, all right? And I, and I mean this, I wanna ask you to exclude the pastors from the, your Chad project. Because you know what? You you do so much for us all the time. And we are overwhelmed by your love. Do this for somebody in our church that maybe you don't even know. Maybe just bringing, them a, bringing someone a flower. Maybe it's bringing someone just a, a small bag of cookies. I don't, I don't know what it is. And don't just do it today. Make it a lifestyle. If you want to go back and discuss it with your family, that's fine. Discuss it with your family. Get your kids involved. So they know that life is not about, doesn't revolve around them. They're not the center of the universe. But teach them to love each other. And do it every day. Because that's what God made us to do, to love. We are a family. We are all God's children. So let's all get along. Let's not fight. Let's love each other. And if we love like he wants us to, imagine the light that we'll bring to all the dark places. We will light up the South Bay. We will light up the world. So engage love. Amen? Okay, let's close in prayer. Father, first of all, gosh, I'm overwhelmed, God, by the love that I find in this church thank you God for the hearts of the people in this place but God we're not satisfied we're not content I know that I'm not because there's so many times that I fail I fail to be the loving man that you want me to be I fail to be the loving Christ follower that you want me to be And I suppose that every one of us can own that and admit the same thing. Because we're surrounded by broken and sinful people. God, sometimes it's so hard to love. So Lord, do a work in us. Give us bigger hearts. Give us gracious and merciful and kind hearts. God, remove our sinfulness and fill it with your selflessness and your and your and the power of your holy spirit because without you God we can't do anything. And I pray God that our love would be so on fire and so contagious and so bright not just today, not just this week, but the rest of our days that we're here will bring darkness to this world, that will bring light to this dark world, that will bring hope, God, where there's no hope. This is why you made us, God. This is why you made us. Please don't let us fail. Help us to love you and to love each other. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.